0: Look, I guess I should have just winged it right there. That would have been better. So next week we're going to start on Psalm 119. So uh, for the next couple of weeks after that, we're going to be working in Psalm 119. If I could encourage you to do anything, that's start reading Psalm 119 now. Read through it as many times as you can get it down in the next couple of weeks. I'm I'm telling you, there's a, there's so much meat there, and then we're gonna we're gonna you know hit it from a couple of different angles there, and we'll spend as much time as we need to. But I know we're going to spend at least three weeks in it. Uh. This uh, tomorrow evening, seven p.m. Grace is starting her ladies' Bible study up here. Just meet here at seven. Husbands, if at all possible, consider uh, keeping an eye on the kids so that your wives can come and and study God's Word together, pray with each other, and and grow in grace together. You will benefit greatly from it. Um, so, guys, if you can, keep an eye on the kids there. Um, February first week in February. I got I got uh, my. my Messages crossed there. Maybe you heard one thing or another, but here's the here's what's happened. First week in February, first week in February. That's three weeks from now. On the seventh, thereabouts, Dave is going to start preaching on Sunday nights. We're going to start having a service here at Sunday nights. It's going to be very similar to Wednesday night. I don't know. There's going to be much singing necessarily. It's going to be teaching the word, studying God's word, and we're going to start in the book of Job. And we're going to take as long as we need to take in the book of Job, and uh, and then also that Sunday morning the 7th of February, Isaac is going to be here at 920, 920, he will be here with all his minions, and I would hope that you would bring your minions as well, and leave them with Isaac, and let him teach them the word, so we're going to have like a, uh, essentially a Sunday school time of about 30 minutes, 20 to 30 minutes with the young people, we got all these young people coming, and I feel like we're missing an opportunity to preach the word to them, and speak into them, and so Isaac's willing to take that on for a time, And uh, if you think that uh, that sounds like something you'd be interested in helping with, talk to Isaac. I'm sure as you get a a large number of kids, a a little hand in there would be good. But his goal is to begin in Genesis, begin talking about the creation and how God worked through the creation. And and he's just going to start it, uh, you know, assume they know nothing and build on that and so that we understand the, the whole of the Bible as it works together. I think we really need to be putting that into our young people's minds and hearts and developing them as believers. Okay? So that's the first week in February is when that's starting. And we'll try to remind you next couple weeks. First week in February, we're going to do both the Sunday night service and the Sunday morning uh, children's time. For you adults that come during that children's time, the men have been meeting to pray together at 930. You're more, please come and pray. If there was ever a time for men to pray, now's the time. If there was ever a time for women to pray, now's the time. We're in a nation. we're We're in Corinthians. We're in Corinth. We think we're in America, but we're in Corinth. It's a wicked world, and we need to be praying like never before. And so come together. Uh, we'll have a lady that would be willing to lead that in that, in that prayer time. Uh, you can have a little word or, uh, or in just a time of prayer to pray for people in our fellowship, pray for our leaders, pray for our county, pray for our children, pray for their future spouses. There's a lot going on. So come, and let's do that together. So I've been trying to travel in a certain direction, whether you realize it or not, over the last two weeks, a couple weeks ago, we talked about what it meant to be a brave minister of the gospel, how to stay in God's presence, how to exercise for yourself for the purpose of godliness. I'm going to have to put another mint in my mouth. I'm sorry. I've, got, I've been working in sheetrock and insulation all week, and it's all like right there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I'll try not to click it on my teeth. I know it's annoying. Amen. So, uh, so first it was uh, brave minister of the gospel. Stay in God's presence. Exercise yourself for the purpose of godliness. And then last week we were reminded that as we we start as unclean, Christ comes in. He saves us, makes us clean, and then we stay clean. We remain clean by growing in grace. By growing, having a hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. So we, we begin to develop as believers in that, and, uh, and the and we understood that the best cleansers that are provided by God are testings, trials, and then the hunger and thirst for God's righteousness. In that, there's a blessing to men to be in his presence in that. So we're really just covering the basis this morning as we try to wrap those two topics up. I know it's a lot of things. And what we're going to talk about today, we want to talk about what is the basis of what this church believes or what our orientation is as a body and uh, what we need to continue doing that's going to maintain us for the long run as a body in Christ. so excuse me growing in god's word will then provide everything we'll need to be a brave minister and to do all these other things and uh and uh, people have told me i've heard it you've heard it in cumberland county you've heard it on the on whatever things you watch that people say things like i don't want to go to church a bunch of hypocrites there or i feel like i'm being judged anything that's spoken from the pulpit here uh, we're not the judge I'm not speaking it to you as a judge, I'm speaking it to you as a watchman or as a prophet or as a pastor or as a preacher, but not as a judge. There's only one judge, there's only one righteous judge, that's God the Father. He does the judging. Each one of us, I talked to you about that last week, each one of us stands before him. Thank you, Strong. Chairman of deacons, anybody want to fill that role, that's what you got to do is bring water to the thirsty guy. That was left in the bed of the truck overnight, I can tell. Thank you, very cool, quenching. So, uh, where were we? The judge. So there's only one judge, and that's our Father in Heaven. And He's going to judge all men by His standard, which is perfection. Now, bear with me, I know we're kind of going over stuff that you've heard a hundred times, maybe a thousand times. But I just want to show you what the basis of our faith is, the foundations, and I want to show you just a little something that I think we've gotten off track on a little bit, Not just here, but in the churches in the U.S. as a whole. (coughs) So, one judge judges all men by his standard, which is perfection, perfection and righteousness. There's no man that that has this perfection and righteousness at birth. All men are born dead in their trespasses and sin, and when men try to even con Christ, you remember when Jesus is in the book of uh, Mark that man that comes to him very righteous man very spiritual man very well-read man he comes to him, he says good teacher what must i do to be saved and he says why do you call me good and the point is and then he says there's no one good but god jesus is not denying his lordship or the fact that he's god he's saying he's basically acknowledging that the guy uh, is right only i'm good you're not good that's what he's saying first but mainly It's not that he's saying he wasn't good or that he's not equal to God. He is. What he's saying is that all men are not good. We all stand to be judged, and we're all less than good unless we have Christ's blood upon us. Only if we have Christ's blood on us are we good in God's eyes. The word good, you may know this or not. I was telling Mark this this week, but the word good is based on the word God. Godliness. Godliness. Goodliness. It's the same word. That's where the word came from To be good is to be godlike to be godly We can't be godly if we're not like god And so we need to do what it takes to be like god We can't be in his presence if we're not like him if we're not perfect And we can't be perfect because we're born dead in our trespasses and sin So only if we have Jesus' goodness on us Will we be able to stand in the presence of the only good god? He makes us good. He allows us to stand in his presence. So, perfection and righteousness does not come from anything that we do. Remember that in Titus, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration, renewing the Holy Spirit. It only comes from being saved and being covered by the good blood of Jesus Christ, and that done on the cross. So when we acknowledge our helpless state before a good God, we're saved through repentance and faith, in his sent only begotten son, and only then will we be safe to rest both now and in eternity. By resting, we've been talking about on Wednesdays, is this faith resting that we do when we are in God's presence. When we're in the world trying to do things like the world does things, we try to accomplish things like the world does things. When we try to reason things out like the world does things, we end up falling short. So what follows is this, this... this imminent rest, this ongoing rest that's going on, you in the presence of God. The only way that's accomplished is by that daily picking up your cross and following him. you got to be walking in the spirit and no longer in the flesh. Trying to do this in our own strength uh, would be called what would be called human good. Well, when Jesus describes that, he says, that's like filthy rags. The very best that you can accomplish in your own physical strength and your own physical will is like filthy rags. It's not talking about greasy rags. We've talked about that a hundred times. It's talking about filth. The worst kind of filth that emanates from a human's body. It's talking about that. The very best that you can produce in your own human good is filth. We don't like to hear that. But what happens is when we continually try to follow God, But we're using human good to do it. We're not walking in the spirit. What we end up with is burnout. We end up not being able to accomplish what it is that we're trying to accomplish. Because we're doing it in our own strength. And ultimately we become defeated by our own sin nature. And while technically a person could be saved maybe in this. He will never gain the abundant life that he says he's seeking. We're seeking an abundant life. We're seeking a life of peace. And we can't get it, uh, that abundant life. To those who diligently seek him like hebrews says we can't gain it because we're trying to do it in our own strength So god in his grace and his mercy has provided us the declaration of independence and the constitution right here in this book It's got all the rules and all the regulations everything that we need to exist in his presence It provides everything that we need to accomplish his will in this life and in eternal life the same rules that are in this book now Will apply to us eternally as they do now. Um, Many of the same feasts are mentioned in heaven. We're going to have the same feasts. We'll no longer need a sacrifice for sin, but we're going to have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and that's the Passover. That's the first meal we're going to have in God's presence. This applies like it applied 4,000 years ago, 2,000 years ago, today, and for eternity. It's still applicable. So the Word of God provides everything any person could possibly need to accomplish God's will in this life. The Bible, which literally means the book, the book, we added the holy part later, the book, it's the book. It's the only book, this is the book. It's the only book we need. It provides everything we need. The Muslims, we were talking about that the other day, the Muslims call Christians and Jews the people of the book. We're the people of the book. Though it's though it's kind of supposed to be a slight, we should take that with great pride that we are the people of the book. If you're a people of the book, if you're a child of the Most High God, you should be confident in your place of rest as you sit in the lap of Abba Father as he takes care of your every need. So I know what God asks of me because it's in this book. It's in this constitution right here. Just like the Constitution of the United States, pretty much, and and very similar things happen. People take the Constitution, they take a piece out of context, they make it say what they want it to say, and then they make a law regarding that. And that's wrong. It's written in a certain way. It should be applied that way. We do the same thing with God's Word. We take a little tiny scripture in there, we pull it out of there, and we say, God is love. Well, you can't tell me that because God is love. Yeah, God is love. Go over to the other page where it says God is wrath. He's both. What about God is just? He's that too. What about God is all-knowing or all-powerful? He's that too. He's all those things. Don't take a piece out or try to apply it to your life to make the Constitution say what you want it to say. Put yourself within the Constitution, be obedient to it, and walk in that, and God will change the will of your heart, the desires of your heart, and make you into the image of Christ. (laughs) So, This book it prepares me for now and it prepares me for eternity It conforms me to the image of his son and it prepares for me joyous living both now here on earth and in eternity in God's holy city on that future days So the book applies on earth as it is in heaven It's good now and it's good in eternity Now here's the issue that we've been talking about over the last couple weeks. It's more difficult To exist in the kingdom of heaven here than it will be in heaven God's kingdom, we saw last week, is pervasive, but so is sin. Sin creeps into the kingdom of heaven through sinful men, through the demonic realm, the spiritual realm. Um, The world, the flesh, and the devil maintain or create a constant spiritual battle that we have to exist in here. We can't just be unaware and exist. I mean, we're not monks. We don't live in a castle somewhere um, just reading the word and eating gruel, you know, once a week. We, we exist in the world the world the flesh and the devil all battling against god's people all battling against god's word And all battling against the holy spirit, which indwells us Let's start in first uh, thessalonians 1 We're gonna be in first thessalonians Second thessalonians and titus so they're all right there together I tried to keep it tight and I know some of you guys are like it makes us turn to so many pages. It can't be done But we'll try and keep it tight together there and really uh, and really stay in that neck of the woods this morning so the world the flesh and the devil all of which make every effort to thwart both God's will and his people first Thessalonians 1 uh, let's read one through eleven I believe I believe I believe be hard to read 11 since it's not in there I did this to myself earlier. I'm pretty. Hang on, just a second. I had one of those mornings, you know. Yeah, I'm looking at first. Uh, sorry, Second Thessalonians one. Start at verse three. Mm-hmm. That's where I want to be. There, Second Thessalonians one verse three, we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you, uh, every one of you all, abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you, and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So these scriptures here in Matthew 24 are great reminders and warnings to God's people that our own flesh will cause us to fail in remaining faithful if we do not seek the Lord daily in his word. We seek Him, and we seek Him in His Word. We do it through prayer, yes, but primarily God speaks to us in this time through His Word. If we avoid His Word because of the amount of work it takes to to digest it, we harm ourselves and open ourselves up to the influences of the world. If I think, well, I can just listen to good preaching on the radio, um... Who says it's good? There's no one good. Jesus already told us that. Failed men are, uh, failed man's preaching to you right now. Failed men preach the word. We do our best to speak it correctly, to break it down correctly, but failed men do failed things. But each one of us is to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Each person correctly, reading the word of truth reading it individually understanding who god is and his care for the individual person so here in matthew 24 both great reminders like i said that our own flesh will cause us to fail in this if we're not careful i talked to a girl in lowe's uh friday i guess thursday or friday we're leaving she's a nice enough girl i've checked her checked out on that check a hundred times and she was kind of lamenting the state of the world and uh, some she says um, She goes well, you know you can't trust anything or anybody. I mean nobody even knows what the truth is anymore I say, oh, I know what the truth is the truth is in the Bible read the Bible. We got the truth. I think it's one of the ploys of the devil right now is to try to confuse particularly young people that there is no such thing as truth And They can't and young people cannot verify that there is truth because they've not been looking at the truth Nobody's been speaking the truth to them They can go online and get any take on any political thing or or heck media or any kind of thing that's going on TV or movies or whatever they can get all these different takes and All of it is slanted one way or the other, but it's not necessarily the truth And we so desire the truth the girl was frustrated because she wants the truth And we have access to the truth But we are failing ourselves We're failing our children by not knowing the truth How can I give you the truth if I don't know the truth? How can I speak the truth to someone else if I don't know it for myself? So then when the person that has some blatant sin in their life and they come to you and you can see this sin on them Maybe it's some kind of sexual immorality and you can see it harming them And you go man, this is really harming you. Well, why? Well, because god says sexual immorality is sin Well, I thought god was love. I mean he can overlook that Well, god is love and you're like thinking yourself. Well, you're right. God is love Well, I guess you're doing okay then Because you don't know the truth either God destroyed a whole nation for sexual immorality more than one and he may destroy us for the same. We better know the truth. We've got to be aware of these enemies of the faith, especially our own flesh. We really don't take into account that as much as we should, I'm sure. Uh, we have to live with our own flesh in, eternal internally. It's always just beating us down. And we've got to remember that each one of us, this is, this is a hard pill to swallow, each one of us is utterly depraved, and the Bible says desperately wicked. The thing that we trust the most in our self, our conscience or our heart, whatever you want to say, follow your heart. I can't follow my heart because it's desperately wicked. It's deceitful. It's depraved. So this enemy of the kingdom of God, it dwells within us and it limits us if we don't do battle against us. God is so gracious that he gives us his spirit to indwell our heart. He gives us a new heart of flesh, where his spirit dwells in. But we've got to be careful not to quench it. I wanted to read you this vote. I told you about it a couple weeks ago. I want to read it to you. My my favorite book, maybe, other than the Bible, Pilgrim's Progress, this is old, 1881, I think this one, 1886. But I want to read this to you, and I want to show you something. So Christian, or uh, Christian, he's already gone, he's passed through the Wicked Gate. He's in the house of the Interpreter. If you haven't read it, there's a really good, it's kind of a cartoon Um, It's pretty close to this. You can watch it on YouTube or or whatever, but uh, I suggest reading the book So I saw in my dreams that the interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him to a place where there was a fire burning against a wall And one standing by it always casting much water upon it to quench it Yet did the fire burn higher and hotter? So he was throwing water on it, but the fire was getting bigger then said Christian. What means this? Interpreter answered, This fire is the work of grace that is wrought in the heart. He that casts water upon it to extinguish and put it out is the devil. But in that thou seest the fire, notwithstanding, burn higher and higher. Thou shalt also see the reason of that. So you see him throwing the water on it, but somehow the fire is getting larger. So he had him about to the back side of the wall, where he saw a man with a vessel of oil in his hand, of which he also did continually cast, but secretly into the fire. Then Christian said, What means this? Interpreter answered, this is Christ who continually with all the oil of his grace maintains the work already begun in the heart By the means of which notwithstanding what the devil can do the souls of his people prove gracious still And in that thou sawest that the man stood behind the wall to maintain the fire This is to teach thee that it is hard for the tempted to see how this work of grace is maintained in the soul It's very difficult For us as believers to see how God's work is is Going on in the background We're constantly battling against the world the flesh and the devil and the devil is constantly trying to extinguish the flame Which is the the spirit within us god's holy spirit if you're saved you're saved But he's still trying to dampen your boldness your desire to follow god your desire to pick up your cross daily He dampens it. He dampens it with the things of the world. He dampens it with temptations he dampens it with the stuff that we want and we look at and we put into the into the computer he dampens it with all those things but the fire will not be quenched why will the fire not be quenched because christ is secretly pouring the oil on the back of it and that oil is burning bigger and bigger and all that was to show us and christian in the thing there how hard it is to understand how the work of grace is maintained in the soul how terrible is it then if we the saved end up helping the evil one to pour water on the flame? You see that? What happens is the world, the flesh, and the devil. Two of these we can't. We got to battle against. Pretty obvious, you know. You know, sexual immorality taught in the schools. It's, I mean, that's a pretty obvious battle that we try to war against. And when we were like kids, and you can't go that direction. You know. The devil, devilish things. We'll talk about that in just a second. Those things that are obviously of the evil one. Contentions, strife things like that that we know is coming from you, know, uh, uh, you know, or a drug, drug use or any kind of thing that's a controlling factor in people's lives, all those things, we could pretty obviously say, well, that may be the devil working in that person. But the flesh, each one of us, we, we so desire, we're so secretive with the things that control us in the flesh, but what we end up doing was we actually end up pouring water on the very fire that Christ is trying to keep alive in us to do his will for his glory. It's a tragedy We already battle the other two don't make it easier for them Instead like first thessalonians 5 says now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely And may your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the lord jesus christ Who calls you is faithful who also will do it? He's pouring the oil to it If anything, let's go get some more oil They're in titus but when the Kindness of the lord I'm, sorry when the kindness and the love of god our savior towards men appeared And then we know that verse not by works of righteousness, which we have done But according to his mercy save us by the washing regeneration renewing the holy spirit whom he poured out abundantly Through jesus christ our savior God's kindness and his love appeared he saved you and now He's pouring out his holy spirit abundantly on you what are you doing with it? Are you fanning into flames the flame that's there? Are you quenching it with water by the by the materialism or the your secular thinking or whatever that's diminishing the power of Christ in the believer, in you? So I tread gently on things that I'm about to to say to you, because I know that we people have different opinions about political things. So I'm not going to, I'm not talking about political things in the sense that you may receive it when you first hear what I'm going to tell you. But it became abundantly clear, though it was very offensive to us when we first heard it, when when former President Barack Obama said, uh, we are no longer a Christian nation. Many people said, well, we we're founded on Christian beliefs. We're, you know, we're a Christ. But he was right. He said the truth. We are no longer a Christian nation. I doubt we've been a Christian nation for a very long time. We may have been founded on Judeo-Christian principles, but that doesn't necessarily make us a Christian nation. And what happened was, and this is the, this is the pull it all together for you this morning. This is where I'm trying to get to right here. As believers in this body right here. No longer a Christian nation from that doorway going that way no longer a Christian nation in here the body of Christ What's happened Is so many of us thought that the u.s. was basically heaven on earth. We just had a few bugs in it We got confused By what was going on out there We got injured in our spirit by what's going on out there not recognizing that that is something completely different from what's going on in here. And um, we weren't and this is this is tragic. I have to eat it myself as you eat it with me, but we weren't living as a set apart people, at least not as much as we thought we were. But thanks be to God, we can now clearly see that there's an out there. And there's an in here. And each one of us is going to be tested in that. Now and in the future and and so on. And it's one way that God drives us to to his throne. So I, I appreciate the fact that it was clarified to me. I wasn't clear on that. I myself was confused with the fact that I thought I lived in a Christian nation. But I in fact live more in a nation like Corinth or like Ephesus. A very wicked nation. But the 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 thing about the corinthians or the ephesians was they grew up in a wicked nation they got saved within a wicked nation and so they were constantly aware of this ongoing battle of wickedness and idolatry and sexual immorality and all these things they were like they they were like oh this is how it is temple prostitutes that's how it is but somehow i got to live set apart from these things as a believer in christ and that's that's got to that's gotta be a little bit of a mind change for us because up to this point we were very free to talk about Christian things or spiritual things out there and it looks like those freedoms are being reduced now out there but not in here it's, it's in here but it's in here so there's out there and then there's in here and then there's in here so, no longer a Christian nation, we can see now more clearly that we are believers living in a fallen world. And in that, we're children of the Most High God who should be denying ungodliness and worldly lust, and we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. That's Titus 2. Gr- Titus is one of those books. It's like, the, it's like the, how do I do this? That's the book. Go to that book. It tells you how to do it. This is what you should do. I need to deny the things that are going on out there. And I need to change the things that are going on in here. I need to be converted in here. So we've got to be reminded, and I'm reminding you this morning, I hope you take it to heart, that this is not our home. That, from the doorway, that way, is not our home. It's where we live, it's where we exist now. But it's not where we exist eternally and technically, we don't even exist in it now. We, we got to recognize that what's going on in our nation, in our culture, in our world is a spiritual realm of things that is different than what is going on in our spirit filled with the Holy Spirit in our person. I'm not thrilled to death with the negative things that go on in the world. Boy, I'm glad we get to clearly see the the negative things in the world so we can just really be excellent Christians now and really be, you know, man, I hope God puts the hammer on us. God bless us. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying I need to know who the enemy is. I told you about that. Did I tell you about the the guy at the rescue mission, the kind of dangerous guy at the rescue mission? Did I already tell you this? I went to the rescue mission a couple weeks ago. Big, scary guy. Big. Bigger than me. Scarier. Much scarier. He looked like the Russian spy guy. He's a big muscle man. He's talking about how many, whatever he did every day and whatever. But he just kept saying these erratic things the whole time we're there. And he would just kind of shout out things or kind of mock what you're saying and things like that. And um, in general, I try not to be intimidated by other. Well, the guy was intimidating me. And here's why. If you're going to do something, do it. But it was like, the, you know, it's like when you're in the schoolyard and the one kid just keeps lunging at you. You're going fight, you know. If you're going to hit me, hit me. But let's quit lunging at each other, you know what I'm saying? And the guy kept doing these erratic things. And I realized this is a very dangerous person here. Now once we could, if we could have just engaged with the guy and got to wrestling, that would have been one thing. But waiting on this guy to flip out or something made it a dangerous situation. Well, I want you to see that that's the spot you're in in the world right now. You're in a very dangerous situation. Part of the reason is is because you're going to have to do a better job of withdrawing yourself from the world And focusing on this denying ungodliness and worldly lust living soberly righteously and godly in this present age The present age is very wicked And you're going to have to do a better job of recognizing that's some dangerous stuff out there And we don't need to tamper with the dangerous stuff The only way that we can um, Engage that is by witnessing out there knowing that That could cause a a kickback or some kind of, of, you know, injury to us in that. But it's dangerous out there. So, uh, So our Wednesday night, what we've been working on Wednesday night, we've been trying to work on some memory verses. We've been working on resting, just resting in Christ. And the fact that all that stuff from that door... Going that way we have zero control over the problem is is we thought we did have some control over. we have no control over that that's bigger than what we're doing we got no control and uh, so one of the memory verses that i've been trying to work on with folks there is that from first thessalonians 5 16 through 18 rejoice always pray without ceasing for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you i'm sorry in everything give thanks for this is the will of god in christ jesus concerning you rejoice always pray without ceasing um, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in everything give thanks we talked about this a couple weeks ago I know I know we're repeating some of this stuff but I'm trying to get you to hear something in everything give thanks in positive things give thanks in negative things give thanks rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks I'm not looking forward to negative things I mean I personally I gotta work on that in the negative things I gotta work on that Thank you Lord for the negative things. Thank you for the testing. Thank you for the trials. Thank you for the affliction You're gonna see that in in Psalms 119 that the affliction is given by God Oppression is given by the evil one affliction is given by God Thank you Lord for the affliction because it grows me in grace. It grows me in righteousness. It makes me more Christ-like So in telling you all of that What damage so now now i'm going to talk about what happened so somehow, this right here was infected by what happened from that door going that way. Jed, cool it. Oh, no, that's not Jed. I, you heard that crying, I thought it was Jed. but. <laughs> so what damage was done to the body of Christ because of bringing things from out there into in here? That's the question for you this morning. I really wanted to talk about I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the word politics. You can apply it to either side of the aisle. Whichever side you like, you apply it to that. Take it in. Dwell on that. Hold on to your politics. Hold on to it as hard as you want. What I'm talking about is talking about politics. Talking about things that happen from there out inside the body. One thing, first thing I want to tell you is those that are in political authority over us, however they got there, They see the body of Christ, or so-called evangelicals, or Christians, they see us as a voting block. If you can understand that, it will help you greatly in what I'm about to tell you. They don't see you as a person. They see you as a certain amount of votes that can help them maintain power, get into power, or keep the other guy out of power. So you need to understand that first. And then I want you to keep that in the back of your mind while I tell you this. So, like I told you, people in the body of Christ have gotten a little confused about what is the kingdom of heaven and where is it legislated from? Because the kingdom of heaven is not legislated by a political party that's outside of that door. The kingdom of heaven is legislated by the Constitution Declaration of Independence, which is this book given to us by God for the care of his people. When we try to take those things that are out there and bring them into the body of Christ and try to legislate the kingdom of heaven by the things that happen outside God's kingdom, we cause great damage to the body of Christ. I want you to go to Titus chapter 3. Titus 3, verse 8 and 9. Well, we'll say 8 to 11. That's, that's better. That kind of brings it all together. Titus 3, verse 8. This is a faithful or a trustworthy saying. You can believe this. This is the truth. And these things I want to affirm constantly that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. Why? Well, because the world out there is completely filthy and wicked, and it's going to be difficult for you to do this. So you're going to have to be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. These good works are. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, and strivings about the law for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. So we see that the believer in the body of Christ is to maintain good works. He's supposed to be a certain way. And you can go back in Titus to chapter 2, and you can see all the stuff that we're supposed to be as a body. Be reverent, be sober, be temperate, be sound in the faith, be patient, be loving, and so on. So we we know what the good works are. And he says to avoid, to beware of allowing this right here into your body. Verse 9, avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, strivings about the law. It says... Foolish disputes. When we take something from out there and we bring it in here and we begin to argue with one another over it, we have committed a foolish dispute. What we've done is we've taken a very sacred place and we've brought the world into it and tried to attach spiritual things to it. And it's a terrible mistake. It's just like I'm telling you about people taking the Constitution and making laws that don't have anything to do with the Constitution Or taking God's Word and making a law that has nothing to do with God's Word We took a foolish dispute a foolish Genealogy whose team is the best and we brought it inside the body of Christ and what it did was it caused discord among the brethren Those things like I said are so far out of our control, especially at the I mean, maybe we could do something here locally, but by Washington man. I mean I mean, you might as well take a teaspoon and try to empty the ocean with it. It's just far beyond anything we can do with it. So there's no sense in bringing those things of darkness that are committed by wicked and selfish men and women in Washington and bringing them into the place of light and trying to break it down and beat other brothers and sisters in the light up with something that some wicked person did out there. We've not been careful with that. We must be exhorting one another in the house of the Lord, not destroying one another. So I know we searched all over, so I'll just tell you about it. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, we read it this morning, and Zechariah 8, 16 and 17 has these two lists of things that the Lord hates. Six, yea, seven that the Lord hates there in Psalm 16, a proud look, a lying tongue. But it ends with one who sows discord among the brethren. And if you go to Zechariah 8, 16, and 17, you'll see it talks about very similar things that the Lord hates. And one of them says, let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor. So one who sows discord among the brethren, one who has evil thoughts in his heart against his neighbor. It's the same thing. Let me show you something. I can tell you that if I took any of you godly brothers and sisters in here, especially if I shrunk it down to like three, and I took people that I know have opposing political views, which we have in this fellowship, put you in the same room. And in, in between, we're not talking about the Bible, we're just, and then we throw some kind of political ideology in the mix. I promise you in seconds, not minutes, in seconds, there will be hate in your heart for your brother. promise, It's guaranteed money. If we take two people, these guys think this guy's got it right. These guys think this got it right. Christian brothers, we bring them together. One or both of you will have harbor hate in your heart for your neighbor and for your brother in Christ. That would be one sowing discord among the brethren. We've taken something from out there. We've brought it into the body of Christ. It sowed discord among the brethren and it harmed two brothers in Christ. And it happens every Sunday, it happens in churches all over. It happens. Because people got confused about what was out there and what was going on in here. So, I see that part of the issue with the body of Christ is that we've allowed things of the world to dictate our doctrines or even right doctrines. Right now, with some of the stuff that's going on with BLM and Antifa, people are bringing stuff that those people are coming up with out there into their churches and preaching it from the pulpit as if God's word honors that uh, anti-American spirit or pro-American spirit, and it's just not the case. Don't use God's God's word to justify your opinion. God's word stands by itself, and you fit yourself into God's word so I'm talking about the body of Christ across the whole land not necessarily right here or Cumberland County per se and we're kind of insulated here from a lot of that stuff but what I'm saying is that men have made new doctrines based on things that's how the gap theory and all that came on because Darwin came up with this theory of evolution and pastors were like well maybe he's right I'm going to have to go back and read the Word. And they try to take millions of years and plug it into God's Word that said, on the first day God made, and on the second day God made, and on the third day, and on the sixth day, and on the seventh day God rested. Well, that must have been millions of years between each day. You big dummy. You took something from the world and you tried to put it in God's Word, and the only thing you did was you tarnished the authority of God's Word. And people are doing the same thing with politics today and they're doing the same thing with different ideologies that's going on. They're bringing it into the body of Christ. They're pitting brethren against brethren and what we end up doing is losing unity in the body of Christ. This is some, I mean, God's word specifically warns against these things, doctrines of demons. 1 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith. Believers will part from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, making their own conscience seared with a hot iron. It can happen here, too. I believe this is exactly what's happened to the church in the U.S. Other churches, I'm sure, it can happen anywhere. But we just know what's going on in our world because we watch our news and know what's going on in our country. So you have to be very careful about what you allow into the church because it can grow into something that you're not going to be happy with. You're not going to want it there. It has to be nipped in the bud before it ever gets in. 2 Thessalonians 3, this is the last scripture. 3, 1 through 6. Finally, brethren, pray for us That the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. And that we may be able to, that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Both that you do and will do the things he commanded you. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. But we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which he received from us. Verse 5. Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. And I know, like I said, some of what I've said this morning was repetitive and I was kind of trying to bring those other two messages together here and kind of top those off with this. But I'm deeply concerned about people losing faith in God, losing their loyalty to Christ because they allow political ideals or worldly wisdom to creep into God's Word. And instead of letting God's Word purify those thoughts, they instead let that tarnish God's Word. And so I just warn you, because they've misplaced their faith from their Savior to something some man says. So what if, if for our body, just for us, and, and I can only talk about this body because this is what we got. This is our family right here. If you, I, I pray when I see you guys, when you come in every week, guys, girls, children, even crying babies. I mean, this is my family right here. If we were having a Thanksgiving dinner and a baby started crying, we'd just deal with it. I appreciate the babies. There's a lot of churches that are desperate for small children. We got a hee-haw gang of them. I'm I'm grateful for the children I'm grateful for the tears I'm grateful for the ladies that come and that prepare the meal grateful for the guys that come and do what they do I'm grateful for the the deacons and for the and for uh, you know Dave and Jed and the work that they do and the music and all the Stuff that goes into that. I'm grateful for all of this. this is our family And just like with my family when I go to you know, whatever family events There's some family that I would rather talk to than others. I understand that there's some that's more interesting There's some that are more boring some that are crazy this is how it is but I'm telling you this is our family right here and I love this family I hope you love this family if you didn't come week by week I'd say uh since you do come I'd say you do love them so what if this body right here the one that we have what if we dedicate ourselves to abstaining from anything that the Lord hates we could go back and look at that psalm um I'm sorry Proverbs chapter 6 we can go back to looking at that and see what those things are. I was, I was telling those guys this morning, um, I mean, God hates sin, yes. But there are some particular sins that God says he hates. It's like, I don't like all this. I hate these. Let's make sure we abstain from the ones that God hates. He hates divorce. Let's abstain from that. He hates lying. He hates pride. He hates discord among the brethren. Let's make sure that we abstain from that sin in this body. Use the time to exhort one another. As you see stuff getting off track into that place, like, man, you know what? Uh, you know, God bless you, man. We're, we're brothers in Christ. We can't talk about that stuff. And just, I'm telling you, what goes on beyond that door means nothing within the body of Christ. It means nothing. If everyone out there went every day to come over here and kill us all we like sheep are for the slaughter, if, if that's what it is, if we're the sheep for the slaughter, that's how it is. We'll be slaughtered together. God bless us. But don't let that come in here and tarnish a really good thing. So let's abstain from the things the Lord hates. What if as we see the world turning its back on the kingdom of heaven more and more, we begin to turn towards the Father more and more? And we recognize His presence more and more. We begin to rest in His presence more and more. What if we as a body, begin to encourage one another in God's word, using his word as, a, as an encouragement, as a building up of one another, rather than a, a weapon or a tearing down. And and this is what I've seen. I mean, guys guys that I was in the Marine Corps with, I quit Facebook a long time ago. But one reason I did was when President Obama was still in office, well, I had a, a black guy, these two guys were roommates. Black guy, white dude. These guys were roommates. I mean, great guys. Well, in the military sense. Kind of axe murderers really, but they were in the military sense they're the kind of guys you want in the military, okay? Roommates. Know each other. Know their wives. Know each other's wives. You know, know each other. So these political things start going on. The black guy's got his angle. White guy's got his angle. Democrat guy. Republican guy. And they start just chowing each other down on the internet. On the on Facebook. And I, I sent probably, the, probably one of the few messages I ever sent on Facebook. I said, you guys were like brothers. They went on Liberty Call. I mean, they went out to town together. They went out and did stuff together. They were on the same fire team, which was a relatively small group, three people in the, or four people on the fire team. They were in the same squad. They were in the same platoon. They did the same job. They know each other. And because of things that went on out there, they allowed those little things to come in and damage a lifelong brotherhood friendship relationship and i put it in there i said listen you guys you guys are brothers and that's what you do to one another you're just going to rip each other to shred over something that you have neither one of them have any control of neither one of them are running for office one guy's a cop the other guy's a security guard i mean <laughs> they ain't write no laws why are you attacking each other be careful bringing that stuff out there into here i quit placing my hopes on people in washington a long time ago and you need to do the same thing We need to care for our body to the utmost. We need to remind one another that it's God who is sovereign and in control over the things that happens to us individually and us as a body. We just remind one another that. That's in Thessalonians as well. Just remind each other with this. As often as you come together, remind each other. We need to stop contention in this body before it starts. Particularly if it's of the political realm. And we need to see one another as family above any of that. It will be easier to do. I promise you, this what I'm asking you to do here will be much easier to do if every individual in here is in God's word. You gotta have you gotta be reading out of the same book. The reason people have these contentions, even on the political level, is because Democrat guys only reading out of the Democrat book. Republican guys only reading out of the Republican book whatever antifa's reading out of whatever they're reading out of and they all got their angle and that's the only angle they got and so republican guy never reads out a democrat guy book and vice versa they just don't so they there will never be connection right there but don't confuse political things with spiritual things so all these what-ifs are completely biblical and they're biblical and in obedience to the calling of christ to love one another so let's protect this fellowship And allow the filler of the oil to be the only one who pours his word into this place. That was such... I mean, maybe that picture to you doesn't mean much, but that was just startling to me because I see myself as one who pours water on the fire that I'm trying to keep lit. Every one of us does the same thing. So I'm just encouraging you in that. I wanted to take a moment before we leave this morning. And I want to leave the... the the body here together open to prayer i want us to pray together this morning i want you to pray where you're at i want some of you men women to stand up right where you're at and i want you to pray for the safety of the body of plant grow harvest so i want you to do we're going to take some time it's going to take as long as it takes or it'll take as short as it takes but i want a number of you and if i have to call on you i will so you can volunteer or i can volunteer you and I'll close this in prayer, but I want us to take a moment, I'll start us and then one of you just stand and pray and then another and another. and let's pray for the fellowship of this body. If there's sin that needs confessing, if there's contention or hardness of heart against your neighbor right now, the altar's right here. Come up here and deal with that. We're not supposed to be one uh, together in fellowship if we have hardness of heart towards one another. If that's the case, come up here and let's deal with it. But let's take a moment and pray, let's take as much time as it needs to pray for our our body pray for our country but pray for the body of Christ and let's pray for uh, unity in spirit unity in mindset, the mind of Christ let's pray for those things this morning as, uh, as we get prepared to go into Psalm 119 next week and we'll see how that all will help us to rest we can rest so much better if that contention isn't there you can't rest where there's contention we can rest easily where there's peace Father this morning we thank you for your word I pray that the word that's spoken is the word that you had for us today. Lord, I pray for this fellowship. I pray for these now that will, that will uh, open up their hearts and, and demonstrate their obedience to you and, and praying to you and asking for forgiveness from you.